Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to the hottest sports talk show on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. We are kicking off the week just right. We're talking Penn Relays 2023 with co-host Coach Gerald Richardson and also Coach Rucker. And we're going to get them in here in just a moment. Um, Coach Richardson, how are you? I'm doing well tonight, Princess. How about yourself? How are you doing? Doing really good, sir. Thank you for doing this. Um, I'm excited to have you and Coach Rucker to start this and to talk track and field on a consistent basis on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Coach Rucker, how are you? I'm, I'm doing fine, and, and thank you very much for having having all of us on, and thank you for giving yeah. us the extended time. We, yeah, we appreciate I, it. I learned so much. I learned so much whenever you all are on, for sure. So thank you. Let's get everybody in here and welcome some of the gentlemen here. Coach Russell Bates, your mic is open. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? And thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak to the people in your area on the podcast. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. All right, Coach Jack Pierce, open up your mic. How are you, sir? Hi, how are you? Likewise, uh, thank you for inviting us to give a chance to talk track and field on your show. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, Coach Norman Tate, your mic is open. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. And you? Doing good, Coach Tate. Welcome back, right. sir. Right. Thanks for having us on here again. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Coach Rucker and Coach Richardson take over, and then I'll open up the mic when um, Coach Jennings gets in here. I think that's all we're missing. Um, yeah, I'll open up the mic when he gets in the system, okay? All right. Thank you. Uh, again, thank you, gentlemen, for uh, coming in. Uh, and, and being part of the show tonight, and uh, my wingman, Coach Rucker, you know, he, he's going to be helping us out uh, with the questions and, and the commentary. But before uh, we get too dive, before we dive too far, too much into this, I want to go ahead and let Coach uh, Bates and Coach Pierce uh, give the listeners about two minutes uh, about, you know, a little introduction about yourself and tell us a little bit about you, and then we'll kind of get into this uh, wrap-up with the pin relays. Coach Bates? Okay, thank you, Coach Richardson. Uh, thank you, thank you all for inviting me. I, I was trying to get on here a couple of times before, but I, I didn't make the adjustments. But uh, looking at myself, I guess uh, along with Norma, we ran against each other in college uh, back in 1965, 64, 65, somewhere longer there. And uh, I've been running ever since and coaching uh, for 51 years. And uh, I have enjoyed all, all my coaching, and also coaching against uh, uh, Coach Richardson, Coach Rucker, Coach Jennings, probably everybody in South Jersey. <laughs> I coached against, and I yeah. really had a uh, really had a good time and worked with these gentlemen. It's been exciting. Okay, hey Coach Bates, what what college did you attend as you were competing against Coach uh, Coach Tate? I want. I went to uh, Allen University. It's a small liberal arts school, about a thousand students. 
And this, matter of fact, they're still running track down at Allen University. And that was one where I uh, went. And I'm from Union, South Carolina. I came right. north and been here since. Awesome. Coach Pierce, you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, we'll get started. Yeah, surely. Um, I'm a two-time uh, world championship medalist, silver medalist, bronze medalist. I'm an Olympic bronze medalist. And I'm glad we're talking about the uh, Penn Relays platform because I am also uh, a Penn Relays MVP. And I went there with Coach Braxton and became MVP. I went there with Coach Wilbur Ross, and we broke the world record in the shuttle hurdles. And I went there with Coach Tate, and then we rebroke that record in the shuttle hurdles. So the Penn Relays is near and dear to me, and I just – I'm glad we have an opportunity to talk about the platform live on TV. I mean, on the radio. Very good, very good. Thank you, sir. Uh, before we before we get started, uh, Coach Rucker, I'm, I'm gonna let you go ahead and uh, you know pull the the questions for the first round here. Well, first of all, I, I guess one of the things I'd like to ask is each one of the gentlemen that we have on tonight just share maybe. One of uh, many of the good experiences at the Penn Relay. If they can just share one, and I'm sure there's other stories that will come up throughout the hour, but starting with uh, Coach Tate, can you just share one of many of the experiences you had at the Penn Relay? Well, uh, you said Tate or Bates? Coach Tate, Norm Tate. Oh, okay. This this is Norm. Uh, Well, I guess my... My best experience at uh, Penn Relays was 1964. Uh, I was voted outstanding athlete at Penn. I won four watches that uh, that, that weekend and uh, was voted outstanding athlete. And it was by coincidence I won the outstanding athlete in 1964. And then I ended up coaching Jack Pierce, and he was the outstanding athlete. In 1984, 20 years apart. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, everybody. Um, Jack, can yes. you share with, with us just one of one of your great experiences at the Penrose? Absolutely, and I'm reminded every time I go down to my base, it's crossing the finish line first in the four by two after we caught Arkansas. Because to us, Penn Relays was the Olympics here. And, and after crossing the tape first and getting the raise for time and, and putting Morgan on the map, I'm, that I remember so much. That was probably my most memorable moment and sharing it, you know, with the whole team coming by. And we did really well for Morgan State that year in 1984. And by far, that's my, my best moment that I remember. Gentlemen, if I could just interrupt for just a moment and ask if there's someone with their phone on mute, I mean on on speaker, I need you to put it on mute when you're not talking because I'm hearing the feedback, and I want the, the audience to get this great conversation. So if you're not talking, to have your phone on mute. Thank you. Oh. All right. Um Jack, are you still there? Yes, I am, sir. Yeah, okay. You said this was 1984 at Morgan State? Yes. Yes, at Morgan State. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, sir. I tell you, you know, people always talk about how many races you can run and what you can run. We had the same four guys 
run the four by one, the four by two, and the four by four that year, and we won two out of three. And I mean, we all of us just pitched in. It was just such an effort. And, and when things pay off like that, you you always remember that. And to me, that was the best moment I've had at Penny Lake. And, and I'm sure. Are you still in touch with, with these uh, teammates of yours? Absolutely. Yes, we that, and Penn Relays was an annual. We used to meet under the scoreboard all the time when uh, we'd come to the Penn Relays. We know when the Championship of America 4x4 came, we'd meet under the scoreboard and we'd all get to see each other and go out afterwards. And, and that, was, that was always the essence of Penn Relays. Yes. And bringing people together and having fun. I was yes. great. And, and Jack, I saw you running. I was there. I was there coaching well, at the I, time. Go ahead. You, you, probably, you, you were probably always there. And we made it a point <laughs> never to miss it. And, and like I said, I came through with some great coaches, Lenny Braxton and Wilbur Ross and then Norm Tate. So, I mean, I, I had the creme de la creme of the coaches. And always when we left, we either had, like I said, an MVP, a shuttle hurdles world record, and then again, re-breaking the shuttle hurdles world record. So it was just that, that, always that. still pleasant. Yeah, that, that, that's phenomenal. Uh, Coach Bates, Russ. Yes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we refer to Russ as the godfather of coaches. So if you hear me say that, that's truly out of respect. <laughs> because uh, Coach Bates, as you said earlier, has been doing this for 50-plus years, and none of us are close to that. But godfather, can you just tell or share one of your very you know, memorable moments from the Penn Relays? Oh, absolutely. Uh been going to the Penn Relay Service since 1970, ended in 2005, and then went back in 2011 to 15. My greatest moment at the Penn Relays is that we got beat in 2002. I'm sorry, 2003 by two seconds by by Pilot High School out of California in 311. We ran 311-2-2. And we came back the following year with Ruben McCoy and Brandon Grantham, Frank Jackson, and Keith Farrington. We won the mile relay, and I consider that my greatest achievement in track and field because there are between five and 600-mile relay teams that go to Penn Relays. And on that particular day in 2004, we were number one. And that was a matter of fact, uh, I was standing beside Coach Rucker when we won in, in the stand because I was in the curve. And he said, Russ, you're going to win, you're going to win. And, and we did, and that's my greatest moment. Well, well, Godfather, that was a good moment for me because I still remember that, you know, sitting in the stand, <laughs> sitting together, watch, watching your athletes run. That's it, it's such a great feeling, you know, being there. And I hate. I, I think just, can I throw one other moment in that uh, greatest moment? Oh, yes. Yes. The great another greatest moment, and I'll put up that uh, with that relay is being around all you coaches, Coach Tate, Coach Jennings, Coach Richardson. Coach uh, Rucker, I mean, Coach Pierce, saw Jack running high school, and I have a, a sponge in my head that's just soaked all this stuff up. I have a lot of memories, so I, I appreciate you guys uh, letting me be in, in, the, uh, in your company. Okay. Um, well, we, we, go ahead. We're certainly glad to have you in our company, Godfather. And um, But I, I want to I wanna, – Tell our listeners, you know, the Penn Relays is not about a college or a um, professional meet. It's, there's high schoolers and grade school kids that get an opportunity to 
competed at Franklin Field in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on the, on the campus of University of Penn. And uh, I just want to start off with the high school section of this of the Penn Relays over three days. And uh, gentlemen, can you kind of in your in your in this year's uh, Penn Relays, what one event or what one uh, athlete at the Penn Relays this year impressed you the most? Um, I'll talk with. I'll start with you, uh, Coach Pierce. Well, of course, uh, the young man, the freshman, who ran a forty-five oh three on on the anchor deck. I think that was on Friday on the four by four. I mean, I thought that was incredible. And where does he go from here? There's nowhere but up. I was really impressed. I thought to me that was the most impressive thing that that I've seen in the high school races. Okay, uh, Coach Bates. I I agree with uh, uh, Jack. Uh, he's a freshman, 15 years old, and he ran from behind, ran 45.03, like Jack said, uh, F-18, that they, they was uh, clocking it. And mm-hmm. I looked at that, and I'm saying, my goodness, that young man was really, really running. And that was outstanding. i never seen anything like that before in my life. Coach Tate, I, I have to uh... – Go along with uh, Jack and and, and, and and Bates on that one. That was the best performance. Uh, I was there um, three days, and that was the best performance I've seen overall, uh, uh, individual performance. And then I was impressed with uh, the Ohio State women running the 4 by one forty three, I think, 78, and, you know, in the rain. Uh, that was to me. That was the most impressive uh, relay performance by the women. And then the, the 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 men's race. Uh, I guess you know the the, the college just in Jamaica. They won the uh, four by four in an impressive time in that bad weather. So those those three performances, you know, and the men, the women, and then the high school uh, were the most uh, you know the outstanding performances that I I uh, saw for those three days. Yeah, there, there were there were a number of performances that that stand out for me as well. Uh, certainly, the the high school young freshman running forty five oh six. There was a young lady, uh, I believe it was Billis High School. She uh, split fifty one in a four by four, as well as the high school girls discus champion uh, broke the pin relays record by over, I think it was ten feet. Uh, so that was to me was pretty outstanding and phenomenal. Uh, but one of the one of the highlights for me was the four by eight by uh, Union Catholic right here in New Jersey. Uh, they broke right. the state record and was about uh, second also off the uh, national record. So we're looking for them to do some bigger and better things uh, as this season continues on. Now, how about the, the Olympic development section? We'll start with you, uh, Coach Pierce. Anything that popped out in your eye with well, the Olympic development? Well, of course, it was Devin Allen bringing Devin Allen back to run that race and, and being that he's an eagle now and he's a hurdler. And to, for him actually to run 13.43 and just win at the tape, I thought, was was very good of him because he's only had maybe three or four months to practice. So it took a lot to be able to even run that kind of time. So I was really impressed with him coming back and doing well and, and just winning at the end. I mean, if he just came back and ran well, that would have been fine. But to come back and win, too, after having – a whole season off, basically. I thought that was pretty impressive. Okay. Of course. Was there any, uh, any Olympic development that you were impressed with? Uh, well, I mean, you talk about outstanding performance. Uh, 
you know, since they got rid of uh, USA Against the World, uh, to me, there was nothing really outstanding about the Olympic development events. Uh, I mean, I.J. Wilson won the 600, uh, which is uh, off-distance, you know, for outdoors. But she ran a mm-hmm. great time, 124. Uh, but uh, really, uh, uh, since the USA Against the World is not there anymore, and, and then with coupled with the bad weather, you know, uh, you know, I'm like Jack. Uh, Devin Allen's uh, race was impressive just because he's been away from the sport, you know, uh, trying to uh, play football. But, uh, you know, overall, uh, uh, it probably was uh, not the most, uh, you know, glorious time uh, 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 when it comes to the Olympic development uh, events. You know, partly the weather and then, you know, lack of uh, elite performance that we've seen in the past. Exactly. How about you, Coach Bates, Godfather, anything in the Olympic development that you saw was impressive, or are you concurring with your other two? I'm I'm impressed with all these Olympic development athletes uh, that come. I I was disappointed that uh, they didn't bring in the other guys, uh, USA against the world, but I I enjoyed all the uh, Olympic development. As a matter of fact, I was uh, recapping it today and watching it as Mm -hmm. as we speak. And these... uh, Young men and young women, they are tremendous athletes, and I have all the respect in the world. For instance, I saw Norman Tate run in college. I saw Jack Peel run in college. I saw Al Jennings played in college. And, th- and these are just these are just some of the things, some of the memories I have. But the Olympic development, Jack, you got my hats off to you guys when you run these meets. Norm. Okay. They uh, and, and Norm, Coach Tate, Coach Tate mentioned the USA versus the world. For the listeners, they they bring in the Olympic team and they invite other Olympic uh, development teams from all, throughout the country or throughout the world to run against the USA versus the world. And being a uh, running meets and having being a meet director, I get sometimes that you need to have changes in your meet and your platform for you know bringing more audience to the to the meet. And bring in more more teams to the meet, so they make changes, and then you try to upgrade it. And I'm I'm like you, uh, Coach Tate. Without the USA versus the world, I, I'd have to give the uh, pin relays a thumbs down on that one. I think that brings mm-hmm. a lot of people out, and uh, <laughs> and they televise it too, so it's more it's not as televised. Uh, but you know, changes are always made. I think you know you gotta you gotta reevaluate it from year to year. And another uh, event that they took away was the 400 hurdles. Uh, what's your opinion on that? I'll start with you, Coach Bates. I think it's a travesty that if you're going to take away we are the, uh, the U.S. against the world, at least you have more time there to run these young men and young ladies. And that was one of the things I when I found out that they were not going to be running the hurdles. I know I had one kid finish second one year, Ruben McCoy, and uh, we never won it. But watching New Jersey uh, uh, right, he, he won it. And I, I think it's a travesty that they – took that 400 meter out. I don't know what was the reason for it or whatever, but I'm quite sure they could have found some time on a Saturday morning that they could they could have ran those 400 hurdles. Okay. Yeah. Coach, Coach Pierce, what do you think? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm really upset likewise. You know, being that I am a hurdler, we have one of the best hurdlers in the country around here from Pensac, an intermediate hurdler. It would have been a case where he could showcase his talent here in front of the home crowd. And also, like I told you, we broke the world record twice in the shuttle hurdles. They no longer have the shuttle hurdles. 
So as a hurdle yeah, coach right. and a hurdle fan, I think they took a step backwards as well as taking out some of the events. And including high school, when you, when you were in middle school, they had the shuttle relays on the middle of the field, which also gave you an opportunity as a kid to be in the middle of Penn Relays Field running the, the relay on the field. They took that away as well. I mean, it's nice to have uh, senior citizens running, but on a Saturday, I also think you can bring the kids in the future of the sport. Continue to have them come to Penn Relays. Yeah, we may not have Bill Cosby introducing them, but I think that was a big time having all the kids on the field doing relays and also the shuttle hurdles as well. It gives you a chance as a hurdler. You may not be able to run many events, but, hey, I'm one of four hurdlers on this team, so I'm going to Penn Relays and I'm going to perform on the track. And when you take that away, I think it's, it's part of Penn Relays as well. We look back at the history like Coach Tate said, you're always going. You always had big performances. You always had USA versus the world, and it was always an exciting time. It was the next biggest thing since the Olympics here. And it's still good competition. The competition is great, but I just think it, it took a step back. And like you said, you need to analyze and see what works and what doesn't work. And I think I hope they go back after this year and reinstate some of the things they took out. Coach Tate, what's your, what's your outlook on that? Uh, I, I agree. Uh, I was surprised. Uh, I mean, I have 400 hurdlers at, at, uh, at Rowan and uh, uh, when and and also I had enough hurdles this year to run shuttle hurdles and the kids were disappointed when we found out that uh it wouldn't be uh the four hundred hurdles. Well they had the college four hundred hurdles but they didn't have high school four hundred hurdles. But they took out the uh shuttle hurdles and you know, to me, you know, again, uh it it took away uh, you know, from the meet. Uh I think people that come, they expect to see certain events being run. Uh right. and uh you know, like like you were saying, you know, sometimes, you know, change is good, but sometimes change is bad. Uh, the one thing, uh, I think the reason for so many changes uh, from last year and this year is that they have a new uh, meet director. Uh, Dave uh, Johnson had stepped down uh, and right. uh, uh, Dolan, the head coach at uh, at uh, University of Penn, well, he's the director of track and field University of Penn. He's the current uh, uh meet director and, and 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 you see a difference because dave wasn't a coach or anything he was a full-time director for the meet and i know dave personally he used to start planning for the next relays the monday after the, the, the relays ended uh dolan is is involved with the entire track field program at university of penn and so he's not treating it as a position uh, I, I, there's some other things that I could talk about, you know, about the planning, the schedule changes, uh, you know, uh, uh, the 4x200 Championship of America is now final on time on Friday. Uh, uh, yesterday, I think one of the biggest changes that probably some people didn't notice, in the past years, the 4x4 college women and the 4x4 college men closed pin relays on Saturday. That's right. Yesterday, the closing relays was the club uh, women's uh, 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 opening club four by four and the men's. They ran the four by four championship of America at three o'clock. After that, everybody was the people that was there, you know, dealing with the rain. They started to leave the stadium because the meet was right. basically over. No one was going to stay in the rain and watch a club team uh, run the four by four. 
So that was that was a big change. It went basically unnoticed. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I people would it. be in the stands regardless of the weather or anything else to see the championship of America four by four. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and like I said, you know, they ran the four by four to three champions. They ran them back to back to back. The high school championship boys and the college women and the college men all occurred like three o'clock, three thirty in the afternoon, and basically after that, the meet was over. Right. You know, but but it didn't end until six o'clock because they ran all of these, you know, uh, 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 other relays as the closing events, which was to me was the biggest change I noticed on Saturday. It was basically ridiculous uh, uh, because no one was uh, really watching that, you know. Right. Uh, Coach Rucker, you want to go ahead and uh... yeah, yeah, I would like to chime in on that a little bit too. Uh, the first one I attended. And I always attended as a coach, you know, either a coach or a spectator. The first one I attended was in uh, 1980, um, taking my team. I was coaching at Kennedy High School at the time, and we went over uh, to compete in the high school section. And then, and then you pretty much the boys ran on Friday and Saturday, and that's a whole different change, and we probably won't talk about it now. But as Coach Tate said, and, and I agree with him, for years, you would wait to 5, 5.30, for the Championship of Americas, 4x4 uh, four four in the colleges. And you saw a lot of the rising stars in American track and field. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at that time, I, I remember Ronaldo Nehemiah running, and, and the great lady ran from Maryland, and so many other athletes who were just, just coming up because they held the Championship of, of America, and, and it was just great, and no one would leave. No one would leave. They would stay at 5, 515, 5, 5.30. And one of the unique things about the pin relays, they are very efficient at running the meet. I can't say anything bad about that. They keep that meet moving. If that meet was scheduled to run, or if that event, excuse me, was scheduled to go off at 5.30, chances are that Championship of America was going off at 5.15 because they had it running ahead of schedule. And you just waited to see these top young male and female athletes before. And this is something that is a memory that I'll never forget. And, again, I went in 1980, and the last time I went was probably 2018 or 2019. I was unable to go this week, but I watched it on TV. And I did notice in Coach Tate that at the end I was looking for the championship in America, but that had run earlier in the day. So that's a tweak that I, that I kind of would wish to have them moving fast. To the different times, so that's yeah, my spin on that. And as track enthusiasts, we all know that the mile relay is always a featured event, and is always at the end of every track meet, and everyone's waiting around and waiting to see those uh, those four by fours, uh, you know, relays. And certainly, a, a, a you know, an event that is, is is something that takes strength and power and speed, and um, you know, it, it, when they're in there close. It's a it's an exciting race, just like the shuttle hurdles and the four by one, but that four by four is something special to have at the end of the race and uh, conclude a, a a day at the at the pin relays or any track meet for that matter. Uh, I want to move into the college section, and, and I know we kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, Coach Bates, what what college relay or what college individual t- uh, person impressed you the most at this year's pin relays? 
uh, I was impressed with just about every college team that's out there participating at the weather because as a coach and who's been at it for many, many years, that's one of the hardest jobs in the world, like Coach Pace had that bad weather. It's hard to run in cold weather. And they was running, mm-hmm. those young ladies and young men was running some phenomenal mm-hmm. times. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the hurdles, Jack, the uh, college hurdles. And they came down, I think they ran something like 13.46 or something like that. And uh, the young man from Howard, he was there, and a couple of Syracuse. But I, I that that impressed me as well as the uh, hundred yard dash for the uh, for the women. But uh, Coach Richard, if, if I may, I was impressed with this young high school girl from North Carolina who's going to Arkansas next year. She ran okay. twenty almost twenty three flat in the two hundred in that cold weather. But all the college athletes, I I enjoyed it uh, enjoy that every year. Okay. And I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm that one man who wanted to leave on a good note, mile relay. Yeah, like Norman right. said, yeah. and like Jack was saying, when you leave mm-hmm. the stadium and you, you do good to mile relay, that's another thing that you can do to practice for that your money time. Hey, we did do good in the mile relay. So they did a tremendous job. I was going to say, Coach is going to throw half the listeners off. I often say mile relay as well, and I'm corrected half the time. You know what? I just said mile relay, and I should have said 1,600 meter relay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're or, right. Or, or I four by four. What you saying that? <laughs> you guys are error. dating. I think that's the error. That's the error. <laughs> you guys, are, you guys are dating yourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that error. Yeah. I um. <laughs> And we we just we're gonna welcome we're gonna welcome Coach Jennings to the show. He, he just he just caught in and uh, Coach Jennings, welcome to the show. And uh, go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about you before we uh, dive into some more questions and answers here. Thank you, thank you. I'm sorry I'm a little late. <laughs> um, I've been coaching since uh, 1969, and uh, I I was uh, working at Trent Central High School as cross-country, indoor, and uh, track coach for the last 30 years, the head coach. Before that, I was assistant to assistant to uh, Holler Moore, uh, Coach mm-hmm. Holler Moore. We have been going to the pen relays ever since I got there because that was a, uh, a mainstay for the HBCUs, Maryland State, Morgan State, all the teams in South Carolina, uh, and the a couple of schools that are in Pennsylvania, HBCUs, and we used to dominate that thing. So I think we won like a few years before I got to Trenton High, before they changed before they changed it into an artificial track. And uh, so when I got there, although more was going there, we made sure we were there all three days, every time we went. Even the boys that was running on Friday and Saturday, we made sure they were there so they could observe all the festival things and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a it really is a good experience for the high schoolers and and the, the collegiates and, and also the pros coming back to uh, you know promote the sport which we all love. And uh, I want I want to get into um, the weather. We you know we've touched on this weather a little bit. How uh, important from a mindset that you prepare your athletes to run in all types of weather, whether it be hot, whether it be cold, whether it be raining, 
Um, or maybe sometimes, you know, in Jersey, you might get a little snow uh, while you're running. So I, what, what's the mindset that you kind of get your athletes ready uh, for any type of weather, especially running in the Northeast? We'll go with you, Coach Tate. Well, uh, it, 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 it depends on individuals. Uh, uh, is, is, is not something that you can really coach. Uh, 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 you know, you uh, tell your kids all the time, you know, uh, it's raining on everybody in the race. Uh, so you go out there. And, but but uh, it, it's, it's more a mental uh, 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 outlook from, from some kids than, than physical. Uh, the, you know, mm-hmm. physically they're ready to run. Mentally, you know, some kids just don't perform in the rain. Um, uh, you know, they can't get themselves up to, you know, uh, to those kind of conditions. And, and you can see it uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And it, looking at the colleges, uh, Texas A&M came in there and ran 3 something on Friday, man. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was like it was like a monsoon. Other teams mm-hmm. that had run fast came in there and was running 315, you know. Uh, uh, so it's, I don't think it's something that coach can really prepare them for. Uh, uh, I mean, other than constantly uh, 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 enforce the fact that everybody's running in the same conditions. So if you're ready to run, just go out and run. Uh, right. But mm-hmm. once they get out there in it, you know, it becomes a different ball game mentally. Um, uh, when I was in college, we had a kid, you know, that basically uh, coach uh, 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 put him off the team. We were in a meeting, it was raining. And, uh, the kid ran around the puddle, puddle in lane one. He ran around it and coach said, uh, you're supposed to run through it, you know. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. it, it's, a, it's, a mental, it's, it's more mental than physical because phys- physically you're prepared. And then East Coast athletes like, like our kids, I mean, we haven't had good weather this month. I mean, this, this spring. So so, <laughs> so my, it didn't, you know, affect my kids. Uh, some of the times were slower than, than I expected, uh, but they ran. And and they they gave it a hundred percent effort, but I could see okay. that it affected a lot of the athletes uh, those two days, uh, mm-hmm. you know, based Coach on Jennings, the time. Coach Jennings, how yes. about you? What do you? How do well, you uh, I, approach the weather with your athletes? Well, the one thing you you all of us tell our kids, and I think that helps them prepare. Uh, along with what Coach Tate said, is that we're in the Northeast, so we're kind of used mm-hmm. to it. Because we practice in it regardless of where it is. You know, we practice in the snow. We practice in the rain. That group I had in 78, they would come get me in three feet deep snow. Say, let's go, coach. And you, you knew by the way these guys practice, and I think like Norm said, you check them out in practice. You know who's willing to go, who's not willing to go, and you might have to make some changes if you uh, really want to run the times you want, if you have that kind of depth. Most of us don't have that kind of depth. But um, uh, I think that we are better prepared in the Northeast than any other teams uh, in the country because we see all of it, you know, the rain, the snow, the cool weather, the wind, uh, the real hot. I think our kids do better when they go to college than any other kids in the country. I would agree. Coach Pierce, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I feel the same way as uh, the other coaches that, 
one thing that we all tell them is that if it's raining for you, it's raining for them. And as a sprinter, hurdler, coach, I just make sure we prepare. We stretch maybe just a little bit longer, keep our sweat mm-hmm. going as long as possible. And it also intakes the size of the meat. At a pen release, you're going to have more adrenaline than a normal meat. So where it's mm-hmm. cold to everyone, you're stepping on that track with that adrenaline, knowing that the crowd's watching, knowing you get ready to run. So I don't think it's going to affect you as much once you get to baton. It's only before the race and, and maybe just in your mind. But once you step on that track, I'm sure all that goes. Or at least I know it did when I competed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's certainly uh, you know I I, I I tell my athletes all the time too. I says you know some of these teams are, are going inside to practice. We're going to stay outside, so we're going to get a little tougher today because we practice outside in the colder climate or or the rain or mm-hmm. the snow, and we're making we're making we're giving a little more character building, you know. So we're getting a little tougher today. Yeah, uh, yeah. I also think uh, that helps us. Being on the East Coast, that we have the two seasons. When it finally starts to get nice and we can go outside and train, now we're fresh, whereas on the West Coast, this is something you've been doing all year. So I think we have a tendency towards the end of the year, championship season, to be a little stronger, being that we're from the East Coast dealing with this weather. Yeah. Right. What, uh, Gerald? Uh, yes, sir. This Coach Tate. One, one yeah. thing that that really impressed me, you know, over those uh, uh, two days where the weather was bad, uh, you know, uh, Friday and Saturday, was that Penn Relays didn't change their protocol as far as the paddock area. Uh, those, kids, those kids were stripped down for about 10 to 15 minutes in the rain before they even, you know, marched them, marched them out there to run. And that, and that was impressive uh, because the, uh, the performances were still – you know, at a high level, and to stand in the rain with, without your sweats and stuff on for for up to ten minutes, uh, uh, that really impressed me. They didn't uh, they didn't give anybody a break as far as the normal protocol about letting them keep their sweats on until they came to the other paddock, you know, by the track. They right. they had to strip down in that new paddock that they established, you know, where they come in off the street and. Uh, 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 and they, uh, you know, they had to take their stuff off and leave it in the boxes there. Uh, uh, and they had plastic bags this weekend, but but uh, yeah. So you, you might of, be you might be you might be exposed to the elements for about 10, 10 minutes before you yeah. actually run. Yeah, you know, and they were longer. stripped down, still went out there and uh, and and ran well, you know. Okay, Coach what? Yeah, one of the things I was going to say, and I think we all know this too. Track and field is an all-weather event, you know, mm-hmm. if, if because even, let's say, in May or into June when it's hot, we get a thunderstorm, well, let's get, say rain in June, the meat's still going to go on. They're not going right. to stop. And the only time they stop the meat, if it's the thunder and lightning. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think all of us tell our kids we have to be prepared for all kinds of weather. And, and I think our kids in the Northeast are pretty much prepared for it, you know, whether – our kids are running winter track with us or, or spring track. And even when, when June, one of the problems I was always concerned about, we may have a cool May where it's 70, 80 degrees, and all of a sudden, two days, three days before big meet, it'll jump up to 90, 95. And, yep. and I used to worry about that my kids never had a chance to train in that kind of weather. And then, you know, you had to adjust. So you make sure they stay hydrated. And still, when the weather is 90-plus, 
I still want my kids to stay warm. I want to see yeah, a sweat on, on their absolutely. head. I want them stretching before they strip down. And and a lot of times in Jersey, you can keep your sweat sweat tops on, you know, for a little bit of time. But I want them on as long as you can. And then when it's time when they tell you to take them off, all right, then you take them off. I hate to say this, I've even had my kids play dumb. You know, I'll get two to strip off, and the other two, I'll, I'll tell them to kind of go high. You know, hide for a little bit, <laughs> you know, because I'm using everything I can to keep my kids warm. Absolutely. And we're we're going to take a break in about five minutes, but I want to give Coach Jennings an opportunity to uh, comment and, and just talk a little bit about his most memorable moment at the pin relays where all the other coaches had an opportunity to do that. I want to give you that same opportunity, Coach Jennings. What was your most memorable moment uh, at the pin relays as a coach or an athlete? Well, definitely, <laughs> 1978 was my most memorable, and, and, and always and always have been reminded of that wherever I go. And that was the year that we uh, doubled in the four by four and the uh, four by eight, and took a second in the uh, distance medley. And people don't know we won the consolation of the four by one. They never mentioned that, but the four by one consolation for big schools. We got we won that with a forty two nine. So uh, okay, just for just for the listeners, you won the the championship of America for the four by four and the four by eight. Yes. Okay, in nineteen seventy eight. Uh, that yes, I have the book here, and that's still in the book, man. And that's an amazing feat. And for those who don't know, or who haven't been there, to have those same four gentlemen to do that in a short amount of time. Can you tell the listeners how much time they had, Coach? I think it was 14 minutes from the finals of the 4 by 8 to the uh, first man, which was Fred, Fred Gore, uh, running the leadoff leg force in the 4 by 4 I was standing wow. at, uh, they allowed me to come <laughs> into, uh, the, believe it or not, into the paddock area because I knew a lot of the guys, uh, uh, and they allowed me because my guys were just finishing and I'm trying to get them fresh, get their legs up, all kinds of crazy stuff. Benedict Cain uh, was very prominent in helping me with that group, just help moving around in that area. So it was 14 minutes between the finals of the 4 by 8 and which Darrell Jeffries anchored, and the beginning of the 4 by 4 which uh, Fred Gore led off with. Okay. And that, that's, that's still an amazing feat and, and pretty much unbelievable. How did you uh... – prepare your, your guys to do such a thing. I mean, I know we, we talk about one or two relays, but you doubled up or even quadrupled, and then and, uh, how you, how'd you prepare those guys to get that done? Well, fortunately, again, uh, I caught these a group of kids. We didn't have freshmen back in the day at Trans Central. In fact, we were the last high school to get freshmen. But they were in all these five um, middle schools which is a blessing, believe it or not, to have five middle schools to pick from, pick some athletes from. So um, they still had uh, the junior high uh, school meets, and I picked about anywhere from uh, five to ten kids, and I would pick them up on Saturday to run the freshman meet. And uh, then when that group came over to the high school, they basically was very well informed about big meets. And so I just kept I kept that group together as, as freshmen, I mean as sophomores, and then about the middle, uh, we st- we went to 
This is how it started. We went to Holland Park. Holland Park mm-hmm. in the four by eight and the four by four, the four by one, four by two, you had to run trials and finals. And that's how it started. We started doing that. And we start uh I think that that sophomore year we won all of those events, the DM, but it was a different group of kids. But again, it was mostly about six or eight guys. Mm-hmm. And we ran the trials in the morning, and then we ran that DM, and then we finished up uh, with the rest of that stuff in the 4x4 four four in the afternoon. And then we came back the junior year, and we really dominated them. Wow. We tried to do that in the pin relays. One of the guys got hurt in the 4x4, four four, and we couldn't do it, so we ran just the 4x4. Four four. And... Um, Jamaica pulled a, a trick hat on us back then because you were supposed to use the same four guys. Well, they didn't do that because most mm-hmm. coaches remember everybody on everybody's relay when they run them. So right. uh, they pulled, they they pulled somebody out there and uh, they ran against our ran against our weak leg, which was our second leg, and he that that particular time he only ran like a two flat two one, and that kid who ran two three that morning. Ran 156. <laughs> now, I don't know where that came from, but a kid don't yeah. improve that much. So yeah. the kids vowed that when they came back to the pins, that they were going to win that. And, again, we yeah. went back to Holland Park, won it there, and then we thought we were very prepared for it. That's great. That's great news. That's a great story. Holland well, we're Park take... is responsible for giving us that idea. <laughs> okay. Gentlemen, we're going to take a, a short break pay some bills, but when we come back, we're going to continue with the wrap-up of the pin relays. Uh, we're going to get into a, a very uh, intense argument about baton passing. I know all of you have a lot of, to say about that and how we can improve on that and sometimes how disappointing it is to see the U.S. men's 4x4 uh, or 4x1 baton passes. But we're going to come right back. We're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll continue with this pin relay wrap-up. You're inside Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Join us live weekdays at 7 p.m. and on-site at Hills Barbershop on Fridays at 5 p.m. We make it easy to talk sports. CampLyman.com is an opportunity for my big boys to come get some work. Let's put it all together. We built from the ground up. You know, our cliche is it all starts up front. Once again, start, stance, hand placement, hand separation, get-offs, counter moves, a little bit of everything. Polish up those skills before your middle school or high school season began. Just come work on your craft. Once again, CampLyman.com. Okay, gentlemen, we are back with Never Had It So Good Sports Radio, the pin relays, and our host, Joe Richardson, and also Fred Rucker. Gentlemen, take over. Thank you for that uh, brief intermission. Go ahead, Coach. Coach Richardson, I I would just like to say um, something about Al's performance, because I was at Willingboro. When Willingboro won the distance medley on Friday and then the 4 by 8 on Saturday, and they did that in 1983 and 
when I was at Willingville, I started coaching Wilderman in 81, and the coaching staff and the head coach, uh, Paul Minori, kind of got the idea to try to do, replicate what Trenton did. And we prepared for it during the 82-83 season. And as Coach Jennings was saying, you go to different meets, you kind of move kids around, you experiment, because you have to be prepared to, you know, to run well two days in a row at a high caliber. Um, the distance medley was run on Friday night, and so those kids just only ran once. But of the four guys that ran Friday night, three of them came back to run Saturday. And during this time at the 10 relays, you usually run the 4 by 8 in the morning, 9, 10, 11 o'clock, I'm not sure. But if you qualify for the Championship of America, now you had to come back in the afternoon. So you're running a tough race because I think the top nine or ten, maybe even more, maybe top 12 qualified for the Championship of America. So one of the things we had to learn to do is how to take care of our athletes during that break. And Coach Matthews, who was in charge of the distance guys, took them outside, got them some shade, made sure that they got a chance to eat and rest. And those are little things that if you have a good team, you got to be prepared and think about those things. Then when it's back in, it's real important. When they come back in again, they have to warm up all over again. And, and you have to get their their mental as well as physical um, mindset ready to perform. And our kids were able to do it. And obviously, these kids were able to do it. And when we came back that afternoon, I think we ran 7:47 in the morning, and the weather was very good. So let's be honest there. But when we came back in the afternoon, we, we ran 7.40.98. So it's the preparation, mental and physical, that you have to have your kids prepared to come, come back. And that's important if you want to go and compete at a high level at the pin relays. And before, and before I stop, I did a little research, and I heard this while listening to the show the other day. There are 15,000 participants at the pin relays. And I'm pretty sure that includes uh, elementary school kids, high school, colleges, and, and Olympic-type alibis. 15,000 participants. Wow. And then over the three-day period, they get somewhere close to, and a lot of it depends on the weather, 110 spectators attend over the three-day period. And I think Coach Pierce mentioned this earlier. For a lot of us in the Northeast and on the East Coast period, the pin relays is the next best thing to the Olympics. Because, you know, you know yeah. it's very difficult to go to Europe, go to Tokyo, you know, go to South America. But, but everybody on the East Coast, the Ken Relay is the Olympics. And so that's why you go. And that's why you take pride and, and you want to perform well at the, at the Ken Relays. All right. And in our, our our next topic is is, is one that's always a, a, a topical question. We're going to talk about baton passes, particularly in the four by one and and uh, four by two. And uh, Coach Bates, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how often? Uh, well, first of all, what did you think about the baton passes? I know the weather wasn't the best weather, but uh, were there some teams that uh, you know you were impressed with with their baton exchanges, or some teams you were not exp- impressed with? with their exchanges, and then we can kind of go into how much do you prepare for that, how much do you work on it before a big relay meet? Well, thank, thank you, Coach. 
I'm always impressed with the uh, Jamaican teams. Uh, over the last 20 years or so, they have uh, magnified their game to the point of what they've been so good is unbelievable. And the top American teams also are, are very good, where you run the 4x1, four 4x4, by four by four, four by 8 Those teams are extremely uh, good. I know I learn a lot from Coach Rucker, uh, Coach Tate, uh, Jack Pierce, and those guys when they're running. And I tried to magnify that and, and give it to my kids on practice. And we would practice just about every day. Just when we finished running, our maybe 300s or 600s or whatever we are running. 15, 20 minutes, we'll run, take some starts with our no spikes, just shoot. Then we'll, we'll mm-hmm. go, go on the other side of the track. We'll, we'll take some baton passes and try to get anybody can take a baton from anybody. But mainly mm-hmm. I wanted my good kids to uh, do it themselves. So that's that's mm-hmm. what we did. I, I think when you see these teams coming out, like the colleges, the top high school teams, these kids are ready, and the coaches are mm-hmm. ready. And my hat's off to them. Okay. Coach Tate? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, well, I like base. You know, preparation, you know, my, my sprint days are uh, Monday and Wednesday. And the time passing, you know, once we get in the spring is a part of my sprint workouts. Uh, uh, and I'll do baton passing first uh, before we get into doing some, you know, 30-30-30s or, or, or starts because I want them to be fresh so they can assimilate, uh, you know, their speed is 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 basically uh, where would, you know, when they're fresh is where it would be if they were, you know, running a relay. Um, uh, but it's uh, it's very important uh, to uh, you know practice as often as you can. Uh, but time passing is an art. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, you set it up, uh, the order you run it in, everything. Uh, uh, and the one thing that um, that you know I like to say about you know U.S. Uh, and even Jamaica, uh, if you looked. Uh, at some of the past performances of the Jamaican team, even when they set the world record, uh, 37.89 or something like that, 37 point. Uh, yeah, but time passing wasn't the greatest. Uh, I remember Johan Blake, you know, running up, you know, behind uh, Usain Bolt. They were just superior speed-wise. They, they had the superior team, and, and, and all four of those legs were fast. So some of the mistakes that they made, they probably could have run, you know, close to 37 flat. And and, and with the United States, if you look at the United States, you know, the past few Olympic Games and World Championships, and look at the other teams that they competed against, like Great Britain and Canada uh, uh, and Jamaica, it's always different guys running. You know, mm-hmm. you'll see the same four from Jamaica year after year, the same four from Great Britain year after mm-hmm. year, the same four from Canada year after year. These guys practice together on a regular basis. I think the biggest mistake that the United States has made is that mm-hmm. everyone wants a medal in the Olympic Games, and the United States always puts their four-by-one in the position that everybody can get a medal. 
And that's the biggest fault that we have is because these guys are from all around the country. Uh, they have a real A pool of eight to ten individuals, and they try to get every one of those guys a medal. To have a good four-by-one, you need four guys, you know, uh, and a good alternate that's going to practice together on a regular basis. And that's the one thing that we don't do here. Uh, we have some real A camps periodically during the year uh, that USATF sits up. Uh, and they'll, you know, the real A camp will be for a week. Guys cannot get used to running uh, with each other in a week's time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And look at the United States, they always have up to two, sometimes three individuals that run in this in the in the trials that's not on the team in the finals. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're running different orders. Uh uh people have to get used to, to each other. Uh the speed of the runner coming in, uh uh no, no two people are have, you know run the same run the same speed at any given point in a race, okay? Uh, and these guys they just aren't used to passing to each other, and and that's the biggest problem we have is that is the way the international rules are now, whoever runs in the trials, if they don't run in the finals and your team wins, they still get a medal, and we have to stop, you know trying to get everybody a medal. Uh, uh, my kids in college, when I was in college, you, you trained to be a part of that relay team. Uh, you earned that right. And mm-hmm. the only time a change was made from those four individuals was if one of them got hurt and the alternate was always ready to step in. Uh, mm-hmm. right. We don't do that. Uh, we, we, you know, we want to run two or three different people in the, in the trials and then put, you know, your team that's in the finals, those guys have only passed the baton. If you go back to the last uh, uh, Olympic Games, if you remember, uh, 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 one of the runners got on TV and said that he didn't know he was running in the finals until that morning. Okay? <laughs> he didn't know who he was going to be getting the baton from, and it shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jamaica. Great Britain, Canada, France, Germany. Mm-hmm. They got four guys that practice on a regular basis together, and they go out there, and those same four guys will run the, 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 the qualifying round, and, and they'll be in the final. And, and that's mm-hmm. the one biggest mistake that we've made in the past few years is that we've created this relay pool. It's good to have a pool because you always need to have somebody ready. But you can't try to run seven guys, in, in, in uh, 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 you know, uh, in, in in the qualifying round and, and final. Because they're just not used to handing off to each other, and that's our biggest problem, you know, with the United States uh, 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 relay system, is that they just try to run too many guys, uh, you know, in 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 the qualifying rounds and finals. These guys just aren't used to passing. But and I mean, and it's evident when you see them. I saw Mike Rogers lead off one team, and then, then in the qualifying round, he was running ankle leg. You know, uh, uh, guys have to get used to the individual that they're passing the baton to. And, and you know, that's out the United States' basic problem. 
Coach Pierce, how about yourself? What do you think about the uh, exchanges for the batons? I know uh, the University of Houston and the college men's 4 by one they ran and won the championship. Uh, can you give your comments on that? Yeah, well, I think nowadays it's easier being that they change the exchange zone from 30 meters to 20, well, I mean, from 20 meters to 30, which I think, first of all, should be some asterisks by time. But anyway, mm-hmm. with that being said, just to elaborate a little bit on what Coach Tate said, I know he was coach of an Olympic team, but I know when I would go to the uh, Olympics and we were training, you would have the four by one, three of the legs were going to be in the finals of the hundred. So they weren't worried about training for the relay. They were worried about their individual event. So when relay practice was called, if they were still competing, well, we're not going to make it today. So other people would practice. And I think we just had an issue with instead of making it mandatory, hey, no matter what you do and how good you're doing, it's a mandatory meeting. We left it up to, well, we'll just try to find a time to get together. And I, I think that was part of the reason with our elite baton passing. I do believe you can, you know, work with a couple of kids and, and get it down within maybe a week or two. But the, the thing is, I think, when you train for the, the – um, the time exchanges, you have to make it, you have to count in adrenaline. You're going to have the adrenaline, so that might make your steps a little off. So when we practice, when I practice it, we're running 25 per leg. I would put the first leg and the second leg together, the third and the fourth leg together, and I would start the first and third leg together. So they're sprinting down the track, full speed, racing each other. So it's sort of like competition. And then they would mm-hmm. get out, and I would just change it around so you could get used to taking the baton. Other things, coaches have a problem with you taking the baton with your left hand is switching it to your right. Well, I have no problem with that as long as it's done swiftly. As soon as you get it transferred, because a lot of kids get it in their left, and they're trying to tap it on their hip to get a good grip because when they get it, it's in the middle of a time or they don't feel comfortable, and they're spending all this time trying to get a grip. I don't mind if you get it and switch over to the other hand and, and then take off where it's comfortable for you. And last but not least, as an official, um, a New Jersey official, I get to go around and I get to go to a lot of meets. And I see a lot of schools that kids do not know how to take a baton. And I don't think Amen. coaches know how to coach that unless you are in in the know about track and field. I see kids facing the outside with their hand out and the kids coming in and I'm telling them, turn around, take it the other way. But they've never done it before. They ask me questions. How do I take this? How do I do that? And I just think as coaches that, you know, volunteer as gym coaches or whatever, it does track a disservice. You don't have the time to sit back and go through the little things that you need to do to be good. But exchanging um, baton passing is really important, especially if you have, you know, a good relay team. It's not going to make a difference if the relay team is is not up there, but every little bit, as you know, helps. So uh, I just think now, basically overall, it should be a little easier with the 30-meter exchange zone. Okay. Coach, Coach Jennings, what's your thoughts on the baton exchanges? Well, I, I think, uh, like uh, Norm Tate said, the top teams are doing well. Very rarely we have a top team that does not pass the baton because somebody will find a way to help them. Uh, uh, I remember um, they had that team from Nottingham. Those guys ran 41, but their times weren't crisp. But they had so much talent that – uh, they ran 41 low. They should have ran probably 40 low, you know. But anyway, um, so what we, what I've experienced going to different meets is that the average high school, these guys don't know how to teach baton. Whether it's mm-hmm. under or over, they don't mm-hmm. know how to mark steps off. 
they don't they don't know how to mark um, which hand to take it with. Uh, like uh, uh, Coach Pierce said, they're switching. But if you're switching and it's economical, it's okay. So we spent when I was at, at the higher, we spent uh, all our time uh, on the technique days. We had like three, at least three technique days while we work on you know the sprint form and all that stuff, and we worked on baton. I've been to four or five different schools in the area. They work on the baton the day before they go to a meet. That's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, they think that you can just do it. I don't know where they get their um, their, their knowledge from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what's happening uh, in track and field is a lot of the coaches that they have now are not coming from the track background. They're just putting people there that are in the school that want to do it. And uh, a lot of them are not learning once they get in there. And uh, you can tell that when you go to the meets, uh, that they, these kids are in trouble. Yeah. And it does, it really does a disservice to the sport because uh, people come in with the mindset, uh, you know, you can just run the, run the, run the oval and, and, and put the fastest four guys out there and get the baton around. It doesn't always come out that way. I know yeah, like I, Jack I, I said, it's, it's, it's a, a norm. It's a science. And you yes. got to know what's coming in, what's going out, what side of the lane to be on. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, some people even have a count when you get your hand up, how or pumps when you get your hand up. All that stuff is complicated. And if you don't work yeah. that out with your athletes, they're never going to be, be good at it. Right. I mean, I, I, you you even see you even see the way kids stand in the zone. I mean, you can't run forward if your feet are pointed, you know, uh, sideways. To the side, you got to yeah. turn. Mm-hmm. Right. You see a man, you turn sideways, you see your, per- you see your, your the incoming runner hit hit the check mark, well, then you have to turn and run, so then he's running up your back. Uh, exactly. Uh, I, tell, I tell my kids, you don't have to have the four fast. We came to Penn Relays in 1964. Nobody knew who North Carolina College was. We ran against Rice. Uh, uh, Michigan State was defending champions and stuff. And after the after the four by one and four by two, and we won championship of America. Ken Dowdle, who was the meet director uh, at Penn Relays at that time, told Doctor Walker that that was the best compact he had seen since Abilene Christian had, had run. Because uh, uh, it's an art. It's a it's a science. Like he said, it's a science. And and you have to look at all of the, the, the different little things, like where your feet are pointed, uh, uh, running running uh, 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 your side of the lane in the zone. Uh, those things. And you see the United States make the basic mistakes. Uh, if you remember uh, the United States team uh, that was reinstated in Brazil uh, because of the problem they had zone, uh, they blamed it, you know, when they filed appeal, they blamed it on the team that was in the other lane. But if you look at that race, English Gardner was the one that created that problem because Allison was coming in with the baton and she's on the inside of the lane uh, and and, uh, uh, and and Gardner is on the outside part of the lane going out. Well, Gardner was standing in the middle of the, of, of the lane. Which <laughs> And, and forced, Allison, forced Allison into the next lane 
and, and her and the girl bumped. And in the United States, really got a break by them being reinstated. But see, those are the kind of mistakes that a superior team like the United States puts out. It shouldn't be made. Right. So the coaches mm-hmm. see these mistakes, and they don't make corrections. When 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 the girl uh, Bowie, what's her last first name? She had won the hundred meters. I know you talking When they about, were yeah. practicing, they had a film of them practicing in the relay camp, and she was running out of the zone in the relay practices. Looking back, he did the same thing in the Olympic games, and it cost them the win against Jamaica because she looked back and, and to get the baton. You know, so it 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 tells you right then that that. Some of the coaches that they that they have that you know that's that's in charge of the relay teams for the United States aren't looking at what's going on. Okay. No. Uh, no. The the other thing is is that I was in with Jack. We were in Gottberg in Gottenberg for the World Championships, and Ron Basil, who's a good relay coach, he was at Adelphi. Uh, was on the field, and I was on the field, at, you know, when they was having relay practice. He had, he had, he had, he had, he had coaches, personal coaches of these athletes arguing with him. He's a relay coach as to what leg they wanted their, their individual athletes on, you know. And so they're getting pressure from, and they don't stand their ground. Uh, 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 you know, if you're the relay coach, and I, I've had that experience as coach of some of the U.S. teams where I told the individual person, I'm the coach. If things go wrong, I'm the one that's going to get the criticism, not you, okay? So it's either you're going to do it this way or the individual's not going to run. Uh, George Williams, when he was the relay coach before he became the uh, head coach of the Olympic team in Australia, George had to tell the personal coaches that if they didn't like the way he was putting the team together, then he would take four shot putters and run, and none of those guys would run. And that's, that's, that's how strong-minded you have to be when you're coaching one of those teams. Uh, uh, and, and that doesn't, it, you know, we're, we're too nice, okay? Uh, you, and it's not the coach's fault. It's, it's the fault of USATF most of the time. Okay? Because they let those things happen. I've seen personal coaches get credentials, and they're out on the field uh, 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 trying to determine what position they're meant because it's about money now. You know, if you look at the past Olympic teams before it was pro, they had they would take four guys, and one of them might be the hurdler. Hayes Jones ran on the, on the Olympic team in 1960, and they won the gold medal. They had three of the sprinters that, that was – that had qualified, uh, uh, Frank Bud, uh, 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 Dave Syme, and Ray Norton, and they took Hayes Jones, a hurdler, because he he had sprint speed. Those were the four that ran. They ran in the rounds, and they ran the individual races, and they and and and, and they won their medals. Now the United States has become soft. You know, I mean, they 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 let the agents and 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 the personal coaches you know, uh, have too much freedom in helping determine who's going to run. Uh, uh, the shoe company has something to do with it, you know, because that's easy to control. If you run the ankle leg, you're going to get X amount of extra dollars. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, it's more ahead, political now 
than it ever was in our sport. Hey, Coach Richardson, let, let me, i just like to share my, my thoughts on it. Uh, from a high school perspective, high school coach, I, I basically try to do, keep a couple things simple, and I think all the coaches t- uh, touched on it. I basically went right, left, right, left. Lead up legs, right, left, right, left. And a couple things I try to do just to keep it simple, I would tell my kids, let's share the lane. And the main thing was to keep the baton in the middle of the lane. And when I try to share the lane, my my second leg guy, uh, who's getting in his left hand, and you stand to the right side of the of the lane, so your left hand's in the middle. And, and I right. hope that makes sense. And then my guy who's running third leg, right, left, right, on the right, you're standing to the right of the lane. So your right hand's in the middle. So we just tried to keep it simple, keep the baton in the middle, and you practice. And I think, I forgot which coach said it, we practice at least three days a week on the, on the exchanges because I always felt, particularly during the relay season, the baton passes, if you have good baton passes, you can win a lot of close races you know, against real good teams. Because if you can pass that baton, full extension, when you when you pass from runner one to runner two, you're saving space. So you just try to do things to maybe keep it simple, and, and, and but you got to practice it. And, and I went so far certain days during the week, as many batons that I had, I take batons out, and I had have everybody carry a baton. And then I would simply say, yeah. got, I can't take it in my left. Well, you're going to learn to take it in your left because you're going to carry it all day in your left hand. Because you got to be there in high school to be flexible. So my thing is, is you got to practice it, you got to teach the technique, and, and you make it work. All right. uh, Coach Rucker, another yeah. thing that what we did is these guys in these schools, they can find four guys just for their 18, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Right. But the other kids don't know how to pass the baton. You got to teach all your sprinters how to baton. So we would have. You know, one, two, three, four, five, uh, uh, four by ones working together. Like yeah. all the sophomores that were left, all the juniors was left, and then you have your eighteen practicing together because you don't know what's going to happen at a meet. Al, you're correct. We used to do it if, like, I would take one and two, and then three and four work together and switch up. I would have my A, B, C, and D team if I could. One and two all work together because I used to tell. What's going to happen in a meet? You, you know, you got to practice it to become good at it. But, but Al doesn't surprise me. That's why your teams are so good. That's why Coach Bates' teams are so good. Coach Booker's teams are so good because you got to practice it. You, you you can't just do it on a Friday and say, all right, go ahead and run fast on Saturday. It doesn't work. But well, here here's one that you guys when you're talking about passing the baton, mm-hmm. I I had between thirty five and forty batons. Now, where did I get 40 mm-hmm. batons from? If we break a pole, pole, a pole in the pole vault, guess what? We cut that up into 12 inches. Everybody get a baton. You go around that track yeah. and let mm-hmm. them run. But one of my great experiences in 1984 at the Penn Relay, we had the best bio relay team with Dennis Mitchell, Lee Jerkins, Brian Bennett, and uh, Keith Clawson. Mm-hmm. And, and like, uh, like Norm was talking about the feet, where you should be facing, I told mm-hmm. the kids, I said, this is what you and showed them. This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna face the infield and you're gonna you're gonna take the baton with your left hand and you're gonna run with it. 
Mm-hmm. Lee Jerkman got so excited. He was jumping up and down. He he faced the crowd. The crowd got in the head. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We dropped the baton. Overbrook dropped and, and pushed him. And Lee had to go back, get the baton, give it to Brian Bennett. And Dennis Mitchell's about 20 yards behind the ankle man. When he got to the finish line, he was bored. He said, here go Mitchell, here go Mitchell. He got to the finish line. Mike was on his back. He couldn't, he couldn't go no further. We finished third in that race. Because yeah. one mistake that we should not have made. Baton is extremely important in practice. You know, when you're doing your speed work, your 600s, mm-hmm. your 300s, or your 160s, uh, or your 1,000s, let the kids uh, take baton in their hand and don't let them put it down. Mm-hmm. Russ, Fantastic. I we learned Fantastic. that from you, Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic, gentlemen. I, I, I enjoy the uh, the conversation here. Uh, unfortunately, we're getting close to the end, and I'm going to give everyone an opportunity uh, to have some final remarks. Uh, but before we do that, uh, if you're not on speaking, if you got your mic or your phone on speaker, just turn it off or mute it so that uh, there's no feedback in the show. But we're going to have some final thoughts, and uh, I guess I'll give everybody about two minutes. Um, basically, what does it mean to go and compete at the pin relays, and how do you um, impress your athletes to that, you know, how do you, how do you encourage your athletes that this is a, a big event and that, you know, this is something we look forward to every year? I'll start with you, Coach Pierce. Your final thoughts on what the pin relays means to you. Well, I mean, again, coming from the East Coast, pin relays means everything. It gives your family and your friends growing up here a chance to see you compete in an atmosphere that's Olympic-like. And and even to this day, I mean, Henry Days is always a part of me, not just the memories and, and all the things we've done there, but being an official today, like you said, Jack O'Reilly, the meat promoter, I mean, the uh, starter, and the, the official with the meat who used to run the meat so efficiently, it inspires you as an official now. I try to inspire to be like the pen relays, keep the meat moving, you know, keep it, be professional, keep going. And I think it's a, it's a part of me in track and field, period. And I just think that kids today should just grace the opportunity to go to Pyramid Days if you get an opportunity to go because it's an experience that you will remember for the rest of your life, whether win, lose, or draw, just being on the track with the crowd. And also, it's the easiest quarter you'll ever run because it's just a big circle. <laughs> the track <laughs> is a big circle, so when you're running that, you don't even realize you're running a whole quarter, plus the crowd's moving. You don't want them to see you catch a rig of mortar, so you just try to struggle all the way through. So you usually end up running some of your best times there, not to mention the adrenaline and the feel of a professional track meet. It's one of the meets I didn't realize I could be a great athlete. I know my coach, Lenny Braxton, told me our experience at Pembroke, he was admiring Ronaldo Nehemiah's performance, and he said, you're going to do the exact same performance. And I was thinking before practice, yeah, that was such a great performance. By the end of Penn Relays, like I said, I had almost did the exact same thing and won meet MVP. It made me realize, hey, I can really be a good track athlete. And from that point on, I think I started taking track and field serious. So Penn Relays was a springboard for me, and I will always go back and support Penn Relays no matter what. I just hope some of the protocols may change, but even if not, we will always find a, a way to meet all me and my friends and, and old teammates, just as long as the weather's good. So Penn Relays, again, on the East Coast, if you have an opportunity just to go as a fan, to go as an athlete, I just think it's one of the, the things you need to do at least once in your life, and I'm sure you'll do it over and over again. 
Coach Jennings, your thoughts on the pen relays. What does it mean to you? Coach Jennings? Yes. Um, well, I grew up in Philadelphia, so I've been going ever since elementary school. So I only missed one pen relays, and that was uh, my freshman year. I didn't make the freshman four by four and thought I was uh, making everybody mad because I didn't go. Well, when they left, I was mad. <laughs> so uh, I just think it's important because it's it's like a um, Olympics for especially for the high school kids, but even for the for the younger elementary school kids in, in Jersey and in Philadelphia, it's it's very important for them to go to see things like that. They see all these different athletes from all these different places on the East Coast, uh, internationally or West Coast also. Uh, get to meet different people, experience the Jamaicans when they come over. All of that is a, is a, a good part of learning about uh, the world and, and what it has into it. And I think it opens up the kids' eyes and uh, mm -hmm. makes them realize uh, that they are uh, part of something bigger than themselves. And I think it's just good for the kids to do that uh, all the way through uh, high school and even college, and just it's a learning situation, and, and you meet so many people, and you keep re-meeting them over and over again. I just think it's a great uh, social in, interaction between different people. All right, Coach Tate, your your final thoughts on why uh, uh, pin relays? Pin relays to me. I'll tell you a quick story. I never ran pin relays in, in high school. I, my school never, I'm from, you know, East Orange High. Coach never took us to pin relays. But I've been going to pin relays since 1957 as a as a spectator. We went there in the 50s before I, I, I left high school to have a good time. You know, everybody knew about pin relays. You go to the parties and it was a spectacle. So, when I had the opportunity to run in pin relays was when I was in college. In my sophomore year, we were running. We came up there. I was jumping, and uh, uh, but I was uh, anchoring the four by two relay. And second and third leg had had a mishap. I didn't know it, and I'm in the zone, and I'm looking back, and I see everybody come off the turn, but North Carolina College. And at first, I didn't know what to do. You know, I've seen seen individuals drop the baton and stuff, and you see them walk across the field, head down, you know, uh, uh, disappointed. So I let everybody pass the baton in the zone. Every every team that was in that heat passed the baton in the zone, and then I took off and ran. No baton. <laughs> <laughs> and caught some of the guys. I caught some of the guys that was in that heat, you know, in the race, in, in the heat that we were in. And my coach yeah. asked me, my coach asked, he said, well, Norm, why did you run? And I said, my family and my friends came from East Orange to see me run at Penn Relays. And so I was going to run regardless of the fact that I didn't have a gun in my hand. <laughs> that, it, it just meant so much to be running in that stadium. And 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 I had already won a watch that that morning in the triple mm -hmm. jump. First championship I'd ever won. First watch I ever won. And That's but great. it just meant that much more to me to run around that track with no baton 
than to walk across that field with my head hanging down. And so, awesome. That's great. Story. And, 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 and that's what the pin relays is meant to me. And for, for, for until 1968, as, as Rucker said, pin relays was my Olympics. And I mm-hmm. showed up and showed out every mm-hmm. relays I was in. I was out there mm-hmm. in that legion in, in, in 1964. I'm tied for third on the list with the most pin relay watches in history, pin relay watches. And I still hold two records in pin relays. In the Olympic device, I still hold the long jump and triple jump records. Uh, and every year, I pick up the book and look to see if it's still there. And oh. and one record was set in 1969 in the long jump. The other one was set in the triple jump in 1971. Uh, uh, so pin relays means all the world to me. And I try to impress that upon my kids uh, because I tell them, uh, this may be the biggest track meet other than our national championship. Pin relays is going to be the biggest track meet you may ever be in when when they got thirty nine to 40,000 people in the stands watching you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's no other meet in the, in, in, in the U.S. except for the Olympic Games where you will see that many people sit in the stands and you have an opportunity to perform. Coach Bates, your final thoughts, what the pin relays mean to you? Pin relays mean a lot to me. Uh, I, my teams have had a lot of success at the pin relays. In the South Jersey section, I think, and also one, one year we ran in the class relay, I think we we won nine of those wheels in the South Jersey section of the mile relay. We finished two times uh, second in the uh, ch- uh, Championship of America and Constellation, and we also won one. So I I enjoy watching the pin relays, and I would give it anything for it, and that's why I tell my kids. Like you guys say, it is the best thing after the Olympics and World Games, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Coach, Coach Rucker? Yeah, the, the same thing. I, I think one of the highlights of my entire coaching career was seeing Willingboro win the distance medley and the 4 by 8 Friday and Saturday. But even on a, a heartbreak thing for me, back in 82, my 4 by one team qualified for the Championship of America. We were beating the Jamaican teams. My third to fourth exchange, we didn't hit it on the first hit. We hit it on the second hit. They went by us, and we lost. We took second in the Championship of America. I can still see that race to this day. Mm-hmm. That memory mm-hmm. is there. Even though we lost, it's a highlight in my career. You oh know, just that experience. And then the other thing from the pin relays, and all the coaches touched upon it, the people, uh, the coaches you meet. Coach Richardson, all these gentlemen on this show are good friends of mine because of the pin relays. I was sitting right. with Russ when we won. We've all become friends, and I think better people because of our friendship and because of the pen relays. We compete against each other, but we're still friends. And and the fact that a lot of my kids, I think all of our kids, got an opportunity, many of them, to go to school because of their performances at the pen relays. So the pen relays is special and always will be special. And I just thank everybody, all my kids, all the coaches I work with, for having that opportunity to be there and have, you know, our athletes have a good time. And it's not all about winning or, or losing, but the fact that you ran out the 10 relays is always special. 
Mm-hmm. And gentlemen, I, I want to thank you guys all for, for joining me and Coach Rucker this evening to talk about the pain relief. I know we're running short on time. We can continue to talk about this. But, again, it is a special event. It's a, a family event, and it just brings mm-hmm. memories that you will have for the rest of your life um, as an athlete, as a coach, as a spectator. Uh, so this, it's a good event to, have, to, to be part of, and it's a good yes, event yes. to get your kids involved. I and I want to bring Princess mm-hmm. back in to uh, close out the show. Coaches, thank you. This was really yeah. just awesome to, to listen to. I'm Coach Richardson, Coach Rucker. We appreciate you all, um, you know, heading this up for us and, and getting the guys in here. Coach Tate, always love having you. Coach Jennings, Coach Bates, and Coach Pierce, thank you for your perspective. Um, we got to do this again and continue this um, in the fall. I appreciate you all. And again, thank you. thank you for having us. Awesome, awesome. All right, have a great Sunday, and I'll see you all soon, okay? All right, never had it so good. I'll be back live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We'll see you then.